You are listening to the Krika Lecture Series podcast, produced by the Center for Russia, East Europe, and Central Asia at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This and other Krika podcasts are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. For more information about Krika's lecture series and public events, visit our website at krika.wisc.edu. I'm Scott Kalbach, um, I'm a professor in the political science department. So it's my great pleasure to introduce Ruben Yanikolopa. Uh Ruben is uh, he's an associate professor at uh, Pompeo Fabra in Barcelona. He's an associate professor of economics at the New Economics School in Moscow. He's a research professor at the Barcelona Institute of Political Economy and Governance. He's the incoming rector at the New Economics School. Um, he's a co-editor of the Journal of Comparative Economics. Maybe I'll just stop there. Ruben <laughs> um, uh, is an economist who is interested in a variety of topics uh, in the field of political economy. He's published in all the right places in both economics and political science journals on uh, a variety of topics, including media and representation and development. Uh, his work uh, geographically is situated in a diversity of settings, uh, including post-communist Russia, uh, the former Yugoslavia, uh, Nazi Germany, uh, contemporary Afghanistan. Um, he's a great political economist, and it's a pleasure to have him with us. We look forward to your talk. Okay. Thanks a lot for inviting. Thanks a lot for like in, um, introduction. So uh, I just want to warn you because like an economist and they are obsessed with technical <laughs> things, uh, there will be scary looking slides, but uh, I will try to avoid uh, as much as possible technical details despite these slides. Um, and um, the, the, as you can see from the title, uh, the main question of interest for us is uh, potential effect of social media on political protests like this one on Balotna. 2011, but actually we kind of, as a motivation, we have a little bit even bigger uh, uh, picture uh, question whether how in general uh, changes in communication technology affect political outcomes. Uh, and that can be related to in broader questions of like how invention of print press, invention of radio, invention of TV previously um, uh, changed uh, mass participation in politics. But we, we are looking at particular new technology that is especially topical now uh, in the last um, uh, weeks. <laughs> yeah, so like the social media and how social media potentially is changing uh, political, uh, uh, political environment. Uh, uh, and uh, we will be looking at, you know, uh, at the one particular question, one hypothesis about the potential effect of social media, uh, namely that political uh, that uh, social media uh, helps to organize, in some sense, political protests. Uh, and there was like, if you read pop, uh, popular literature, like in journalistic accounts, there was a lot of speculations of the role of mass media, of social media, sorry, um, in in an attempted revolution uh, in Iran. Then during the Arab Spring, there was a lot of talks about the role of Facebook in. Arab Spring um, in many different environments, but all these issues, all of these kind of uh, discussions, they were kind of based on facts and observations, but uh, they left 
still, at least for me, after reading a lot of literature and accounts of, of actually what's going on in the Arab Spring, the Iranian Revolution, etc., like, did actually social media change anything? Because a lot of it seems to be like, uh, as much as social, uh, so social media can be triggering these things, they just can be reflecting the, uh, the grievances of the people and their, uh, their readiness to go uh, on protest than would have resulted in protests regardless of social media. So maybe what we really try to, to understand uh, in this paper, is it really the case? Is there any causal relationship between social media and political process. Is it true that the more people use social media, the more likely we are to go to political process? Um, and it's another, I mean, it's in, in a more uh, broader question, does it actually, like this political process, do they have any effect on actual policy, whether they're in government or not? So we'll be looking at it in a more modest question. Is this at least there is an ev any evidence that social media promotes uh, political process? And we'll be looking at this in a particular kind of, um, setting of the political protest in Russia in the end of 2011. Uh, and uh, I'll uh, like in a couple of minutes uh, the background, just to remind what was going on there, why, why um, we're looking at political, in, 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 on this political, uh, political um, protest. But in general, methodologically, I mean, the, 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 this setting of the Russian in 2011 seems to be, for, from our point of view, completely biased point of view, or basically an ideal setting for studying the, effect, the, the question of the effect of social media on political process for two reasons. First, is if we want to, to get uh, to kind of the causal effects, basically, is it really through the social media effects from political process? We have to go beyond like simple correlations. Okay, so we have more people using social media, we observe more political products. Because whatever we know is that mm, it can be completely uh, unrelated uh, things that are both driven by some unobservable factors. For example, people with high human capital, like more educated people, they're on one hand, you are more likely to use social media, on the other hand, more likely to participate in public products. So you see kind of correlation between social media usage of the products, but there's nothing close on that. So, um, um, and uh, studying the effects of social media, uh, there uh, you have to basically try to, understand, uh, to find situations in which you have like, different, uh, for example, cities, in, so that in one city you have more users of social media than another not, but for kind of only random uh, uh, reasons. Usually, in, like, in other words, that I was doing uh, on the other, uh, Types of media, for example, radio, TV, etc. You find like technological reasons for that. I mean, you go into like pretty needy details of like why in this in this uh, city there's a better reception because of whatever, less hills than in another city. You have better reception of TV. That's why you can try to trace why TV has it. With social media, it's impossible. There are no technological barriers to using social media once you have internet. I mean, taking. We're not looking at the countries like China, in which there's legal <laughs> restrictions for using social media, but uh, we look, in Russia there's nothing like this. So there are no technological uh, barriers uh, for it. So we cannot use a uh, um, standard approach. But what <coughs> happens to do, um, to why, why, why for us it's so, uh, so great, 
the setting is that Russia is one of the really rare countries in the world which Facebook is not the dominant social media. There, uh, well, there's China, which is forbidden, uh, but almost all other countries in which Facebook is not the main uh, media, the main media is Vkontakte or VK, this Russian network, which is, a, like, for all practical purposes, it's a clone of Facebook. Moreover, like, the founder of this network is not denying this. Basically, like, he said, like, I looked at the Facebook, so it's a cool idea, and let me do something similar in Russia. That's how the VK uh, was born. Um, so I, you really should think about it like a Russian Facebook, but more popular than Facebook in Russian-speaking countries. Uh, not because it's Facebook is forbidden. So they just they won in fair competition, in some sense. Basically, because they they created Russian Facebook, uh, a Russian so, sorry interface uh, earlier than Facebook, so people who don't know English could use this network earlier. And by the time Facebook entered with the, with the Russian interface, they only had like dozens of millions of users. It was really too late for Facebook. So I don't know whether Facebook regrets it or not, but, uh, but they lost the market. And we know something about the history of development of the network. I will tell you about <coughs> this. That kind of gives us some idea of like, in some cities it was spreading faster than in others for completely almost random reasons. So I will talk more about it. On to, uh, and on top of that, uh, what was great about Russia is that 2011, like it's this completely unexpected wave of protests, political protests. The first time since the Soviet Union, which you have mass political protests spread around the country. So it gives you some geographical variation to study like empirically what's going on, because unlike uh, um, Arab Spring, like for example, in Egypt, every, all the action was concentrated in one place, on mm -hmm. Tahrir Square. So there, it's like you cannot compare different places in terms of like protest. In Russia, I will, I will show you the pictures. I was really spread out around the country, so you can try to understand what we're uh, And we have quite a lot of variation. I mean, we will have like we're looking for more than 600 cities uh, of decent size cities. In Russia, in, in hundred of them, you observe protests and others not. So you can try to understand like what's driving the difference and how it's related to social media. <coughs> so just to uh, quickly, quickly, so that if I, I run out of time, you know what we find. We do find that social media affects political protests. Uh, and it, the, the effects are kind of sizable. So if you increase the number of users by, by 10%, you increase the probability of observing a protest by 5%. So it's this um, um, fact. The interesting fact: it's not because it makes more people uh, oppositional to the government. <clears throat> if anything, social media increases support of the government. That's what we find. So it does increase the number of people who are against the government, it just increases the probability that they will actually out, go out on the street. So it's basically kind of the, 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 the mechanism that we have in mind is that it allows people to coordinate. We already want to go on the street, like we're already against the government, but we have to coordinate and organize ourselves. So, so the, the, the social media increases this, uh, that allows us to coordinate and go on the street. So that's kind of the ending point where we're going. And uh, mm -hmm. I contribute to all of <laughs> So, um, 
the, just to understand, uh, to, to understand uh, the con context in which we, are, uh, we will be studying this, uh, and that's um, uh, important just uh, for interpretation. Uh, for just a reminder for those who don't know, and uh, revelation for those who don't, uh, <laughs> that uh, protests were started in December 2011, as uh, right after the parliamentary elections that happened on the 4th of December. Uh, and the reason was that there were wide accusations of electoral fraud, uh, which <laughs> uh, in every Russian election is uh, associated with the accusation of electoral fraud. But this time, it seemed like at least particularly kind of obvious. And uh, one of the reasons is that, I mean, sorry, it's not that um, very well you can see these histograms, but this is because it's like it's a billboard from one of the, from these protests. Like this, these are results of the elections. So these graphs show like the votes for oppositional parties, and they look kind of normal in, in mathematical sense. Normal, you know, these bell shapes, curves, like nothing special. <laughs> Only for uh, for oppositional parties. If you look at the results of the government pro-governmental party, then it's weird. I, they, I, you can mathematically define weird, but it is weird. So it has like a lot of places where you have exactly 100% of people voting for the You have strange things that like their peaks, like exactly 50% of people voting for governmental. You have an enormous number of polling stations. Exactly 55, exactly 70. So it's just weird. And people, so people kind of got it. In, and in Russia, you know, it's kind of high human capital country with math uh, being taught well. So people know what is normal distribution like in a mathematical sense. So basically one of the main slogans that we don't believe Churov, who was the head of electoral commission, we believe in Gauss, uh, the Gauss, like the mathematician, just to prove that the Russians don't know what they're talking about. They were going on political protests with the math form. Uh, like they know what, like, what is normal distribution and they were craving for having this. As a, as a result of elections. And uh, again, and I said what is important for us is that it was really spread out around, the, around Russia. So this is a map where like, every red dot is a place where we observe uh, political protests in Russia. Blue dot is a place where we observe political protests outside of Russia. Uh, these are boring uh, in some sense because basically what happens is like uh, well, the closest place is Chicago. So there will be like Russian consul in Chicago. There will be five people standing in front of Russia. <laughs> like saying, and we are also for yeah. free and fair elections. <laughs> and we also know who's got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we will be looking at these, in these places. And you see that it's really spread out around the country. Surprisingly for us, I mean, we like, um, it's known from, from the literature on the US, for example, that political protests are very well connected with the weather. So there's a papers on like Tea Party movements. Like if it's raining, nobody goes on protests. If it's nice weather, everyone goes. Russians are not like this. Russians are tough. We we tried very hard to find a relationship between weather and political protests. There's none. Like it's snowing. It's December 2011. So it's December. Uh, so it's like minus 25 Celsius. Like people still go out on the streets. So. Really, like for us, methodologically, it was important to find weather-related weather shocks. We failed, uh, so it, which leaves us with the one, like social media, being one of the explanations. Like, why actually you see 
some uh, results at some point. So that's about political problems. Equally important, maybe even more important for us, is this, um, this information about the social network of Kantakya, or more especially the history of its creation, because that will tell, uh, like, tell, uh, gives us this opportunity to, to look at the spread of that. So um, this network was actually similar to Facebook, not only in the interface and how it works, but also how it was created. Because it was created by one guy who was a student uh, at the St. Petersburg State University at that time, Pavel Dorov. And so in October 2006, there's a book about, like, about the creation of this, which like, he said that basically in, in summer 2006, he saw Facebook. In October 2006, he offered like build this contact which was a clone of Facebook. Um, and uh, when he did it, he posted in a student forum of St. Petersburg State University um, a message, which we have like a screenshot of this message, which says, basically says like, guys, I've created this new cool thing. It's called social network. If you want to join, write me a message. And for the first month and a half, he was full time accepting like all his time was devoted to accepting people. So it's that, but people were writing him directly, personally. And he was personally assigning them like a new ID number in this network and letting them in. And his mother especially complained, according to the book, about this. So he gave up like about like month and a half after that, in November 2006. He gave up and made it immediately open to everyone. So unlike Facebook, who had like this staggered thing, like, have to be Harvard student to get in, then you have to be a student of some particular university, any university. Here it was like, you either get the person admitted by Dora, by seeing this um, message in the forum of St. Petersburg State University, and then everyone get okay. And then it was like really like, like the, it was spreading really fast. So by the time of, um, uh, of our observ observation in 2011, it has like 55 million users VK compared to only six million in Facebook, so Facebook was uh, was uh, was a really day because they entered Russian market only in summer two thousand eight. By the time the market was completely lost, well, and on top VK was kind of tolerant to illegal downloading of music and video, which <laughs> helped increase its popularity. Um, but the overall uh, the, 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 the overall result was that the market was completely dominated by by VK. Okay. But what was for us, as I said, like for us, it's important like to to see like uh, to compare cities in which in one uh, in some cities um, that VK would be spreading faster than others for reasons unrelated to politics. And here, like if you look at history, it gives you some kind of idea what can, can happen. Is that who are the first people to use VK to open accounts? These are people who happen to study with the tour of. University, that's why they see who are the next people who are likely to use it. Well, the friends of the first users. So, and for that, again, St. Petersburg State University is one of the two top like universities in Russia. It's like a really elite university that attracts students from all over Russia. So, you basically will have some cities who happen to have some some of their uh, of their people from these cities going to St. Petersburg at that time and studying with Dur. And some cities will be just unlucky. They had nothing, nobody to send to send videos at that particular time. So in the first type of cities, this network was spreading faster, at least initially, than in, uh, in, in, in other cities. 
And this is basically what we look at. We, look, we, look, we can, can collect information about uh, the students who, who studied in St. Petersburg State University. And we essentially looking at the cities who had more, uh, had more of their uh, students at St. Petersburg State University studying with dorms. And compare it, actually, so this still is kind of suspicious because that can be special cities. So because it's, a, it's elite university. So we have more students from the city coming to this, to St. Louis State University. Well, probably you have good high schools. So you have higher human capital. That can be associated with both using social media and going on profit, potentially. Um, so that still looks suspicious. So for us, it's important to check that it's only if you send people from uh, students from your city at the time that Dorf was creating the gate, that it mattered. If, if you had your students coming before that or after that, doesn't matter. And this is exactly what we find. So basically, these are kind of regression coefficients. And this is telling that basically, if you look at the number of people from your city who studied with Dorf, that means that you will have more users of VK in 2011. And this is what statistically significant, uh, important thing. Uh, but this, there is, a, in fact, if you happen to have students from your city studying with Durham, then the, the network spreads faster in your city. And this is not true if you were sending these students to, to St. Petersburg University before uh, Dorf was there or after Dorf. It's really this core specific thing. And you can basically, there are, this is really spe special to St. Petersburg State University because you can do whatever, like you can take 65 top <coughs> Russian universities and do the same thing. Now, how many students from your city were going to this university in 2007? And it really and does it is it related to the spread of VK? Turns out that no. St. Petersburg State University is an outlier here for that for that particular cohort. It's not here. if you look at before or after uh, cohort of Dura, you think there's nothing special about St. Petersburg uh, State University. It's really like because of this fortunate or, or unfortunate. Uh, um, uh, Situation in which you happen to have your student going to St. Peter's at exactly this time, you see more users of, of VK. Sure. And yeah. Are there fewer users on Facebook or just fewer social network users? It's interesting that um, in the beginning there was this trade off, and then it disappears over time. So, and uh, if you just correlate the users of VK and users of Facebook, that positively correlates. So it looks like, whatever, you can control for everything, something like that. It looks like there's a, something we don't understand why. This demand for social media at the city level, unobservable demand, is, is, is driving usage of both VK and Facebook. So there's no, no, not much crowding out. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it's from the other countries, from Ukraine. So I was yeah. wondering if that could be a fact, and also I was wondering like, what the correlation is, like how high it is. Not high. Uh, it, well, 
depends whether you control for observables or not. But just between two variables, like, but just between like Facebook and contacting, like, how much they are controlling the Oh, no, no, if you just control, not control for anything, it will be huge. Well, per, per, because well, partly because both of them are driven by population. If you're in the bigger cities, you have more <laughs> more users of both. Uh, even if you control just for population, it will be it's pretty it's pretty high. I don't remember on top of my hand, but it's it's high. So, I guess it's difference between Russia uh, and Ukraine. Makes sense because it's Russian network. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have a look at other social media? like Twitter or, or like email penetration or something? Uh, like we have internet or in this scary looking table. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like we are controlling, controlling for a bunch of things. So we have the internet penetration. We have spread of that licensing key, which was the most popular. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, <laughs> it's a technical. The, the question is like the information about uh, great graduates of St. Petersburg, we're actually getting from other class. The administrative records are not available. So that's why we'll try, especially the numbers. But no. So basically, I'm telling okay, there's a, this thing uh, that if you happen to have more students <coughs> in this particular cohort, in this particular university, the spread of network is faster. So it looks like it's the only thing that matters. Uh, uh, you can see if this fortunate or unfortunate event is associated with the protest in 2011. And that is it happens to be true. If you happen to have more of your students going to, to, to St. Petersburg State University during at, the, at, the, at that time, you have more protests. You're more likely to have protests. Again, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter if you look at the cohorts before or after and uh, even yes, our interpretation is the only reason why you observe this is because they were uh, having a faster spread of this network. Yeah. But for your arguments, don't you need to have um, like these, for example, the middle and the bottom coefficients to, to be different between themselves? Yeah, they are. Like one. Yeah. One is zero and one is not. So uh, it depends on the section of confidence. Uh, so, I mean, in some sense, uh, I wouldn't say that we necessarily need this, especially for this cohort. This cohort is um, uh, younger than VK founder, so after that, so there can be actually spillovers between. between. So that for us, it's more important the difference between these two before and after, and this is actually statistically different. So here, it's a bit. It's surprising that it doesn't work for us. <laughs> I could have expected this to happen because, I mean, you study after Durf, you still heard about this network from the, the guys, so that's why you joined. But you're, you're right. The, the, the fact that these two differ, are different is important for us. So these are like one-year cohorts? Oh, sorry. No, these are, these are we try, we try, like we're playing, like, this, these are five years, Carl. Either with yeah. him or plus minus two years because based on introspection, if you are in a college, you Kind of speak to people who are right, one or two years, <laughs> but not three. I three is so much. That's surprising <laughs> that they're not. Yeah. That's surprising that those guys are two rows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you happen to look at whether or not the propensity to protest was related more to VK, as say compared to Facebook? Uh, with theory being, there is a certain type of person that will gravitate to VK, yeah. a certain type of Russian. 
And there's a different person that would gravitate to Facebook. Yep. Maybe because of its American heritage, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, we haven't done it because this, such papers already exist. Um, uh, they were comparing uh, people who particip particularly par also participated in protests and how it's related to Facebook on Wiki. And uh, people who use Facebook are way more likely to participate in protests, which completely fits the story. People who use Facebook, this suspicious American network, <laughs> they are way more liberal in their views. And they are more likely to have friends abroad. That's actually the reason why they use Facebook. So in some sense, when we look at political protests, we look at VK rather than Facebook, we're kind of even uh, are on more conservative side. We would expect the effect of Facebook to be even bigger. Um, Actually, it's a very good point. A Facebook user in Russia has access to all of Facebook, including the 320 million Americans. Yep. So, yeah, whereas I assume VK is pretty much homogeneous, mostly Russians. Mm -hmm. More, well, way more homogeneous. Yeah, like Russian speakers. A lot of them are outside of Russia, but it's uh, neighboring countries. Okay? Uh, yeah, so that's absolutely So basically, this is it. And then you have like, you can have like statistical techniques to show like the magnitudes. And then these instrumental very broad regressions don't, don't bother thinking about why this, this is important, but the main thing <laughs> is that uh, you can try to estimate the magnitudes of like how it's translated, and this is the magnitudes tell you exactly that if you increase the magnitude, the number of users of VK in a particular city by 10%, the probability of observing the protest goes up by 5%, which means that it's it's not a negligible uh, thing. It's it's pretty sizable. Okay, and um, it, it's, it also whatever we look at, it doesn't seem to be the case that it captures some already underlying characteristics of the cities that more likely to go on bottom. You know, if you look at all protests that happened before the coming of social uh, media, either during Soviet, uh, late Soviet Union, or some labor protests that happened in the cities, it doesn't seem to be correlated with a future penetration of, of that. So it really seems to be the case that there is a But then, the, it's important to try to understand, as I, as I mentioned, like the methods. Why? And there, there are two main things that can happen. First, social media can provide information that is more critical of the government. Because all traditional media, radio, TV, newspapers, are pretty tightly controlled by the government. So it's really hard to, to hear anything critical. If you, like social media, is clear, clearly it's way more likely that you hear something critical about the government. So maybe, if you have more users of social media in the, in the city, more of them are exposed to information critical to the government. So there'll be more people who are kind of in a position to the government, and then obviously they are more likely to go and protest. That's one potential mechanism. Another potential mechanism is that the number of people who are against the government doesn't change, but they are more like easier organized, so it's probably that they will actually go and do something is increasing. So to separate the two, we try to understand, like, is, is there any evidence that social media actually increases the number of people who are in position to the government? So first, perhaps, we look at the results of the voting for the pro-governmental party in all elections after the, the creation of the 2007, 8, Putin, Medvedev, all parliamentary elections. And what we see is that, if anything, social, the more users of social media you have, 
the more votes the, the pro-government pro candidates and parties will get. The effect is not that strong, but it's it definitely not negative. It doesn't, so it does not decrease support of the government. If anything, it increases. The problem with the results for elections is obviously, like as I mentioned, like the, the, all the protests started from the accusation of electoral fraud. So how <laughs> should we even trust it? Like okay, so <laughs> uh, doesn't make sense to look at the uh, at the uh, results, official results of the of the elections. That's the first uh, consideration. Second is that, and, and now it's widely discussed, but one potential effect, alternative potential effect of social media is it increases polarization of political preferences, right? So actually, if it does increase polarization, you can easily observe a situation in which, on one hand, you increase the number of people who support the government, and at the same time, you increase the number of people who hate government. And first type of people go and vote. Second type of people go and protest, <laughs> because there are no real opposition candidates in, in, in elections. So that's also potentially possible. So luckily, we have access to like huge opinion survey right before elections. Yeah. So another theory, given the Russian propensity to influence social media, mm -hmm. is it possible that the Russian government is influencing what is actually on VK? This is a really good point. Uh, that from all we know, up until that time, Russian government was ignoring social media. For them, it was not existing, basically. Like, was a toy. After this protest, they they kind of realized what we it took us several years in the paper to realize <laughs> that social media does have an effect on political protest, and they started paying a huge attention to that, which we observe now the outcomes of this attention. Uh, but but uh, by that time, there's no evidence of any involvement of government. Also, I mean, the, the story of VK is also like the control of VK is also telling that during this protest. FSB approached the founder, telling him that just to give information to close some of the groups in which people were organizing to go and protest. In 2011, he refused, basically saying that, that I can do that, but what will happen? People will switch to Facebook, do the same thing, but you will completely lose control of that. So it's better to be here than there. In 2011, that argument worked. Three years down the road when Yevra Maidan was happening in Ukraine, same thing happened. They were using VK to organize protests in Kyiv. FSB approached him, saying, close down the, uh, the protest groups. He refused. They didn't buy that time. <laughs> uh, he was not, persu had not persuaded that. In several months, they forced him to sell the company. And he left Russia. Now lives happily somewhere in Germany. He created Telegram. And, uh, he seems like. He's doing okay. Uh, but <laughs> the main thing is that government took over control of this only in 2014 on the company. Uh, so, again, basically it's just another illustration that the approach of Russian government to social media <laughs> have changed dramatically after this particular event. The government still runs it? So, for now, government has controlled not indirectly. I mean, it's owned by an oligarch, Usman, who's very friendly. Actually, we don't see almost any evidence of government meddling up with, the, with their content. And kind of my, my interpretation is uh, they bought an option value. In some sense, like they're not doing anything now, 
but they know that if anything happened, they will shut, shut it down, and they haven't done that. So far, they didn't need to do that. There were no big protests, nothing serious was happening in Russia. I mean, there are some anti-corruption protests, whatever, like, you can't ignore them. Uh, but if something serious happened, they will shut it down. Okay, so, opinion poll. So, as a double check that it will, is kind of reflects actual attitude of people, we we'll look at the opinion polls, which in general kind of they can be biased or because of social desirability, <laughs> something as we know, uh, or maybe slightly yeah. biased yeah. because yeah. like yeah. I, it's not it's according to Scott it's negligible, <laughs> uh, but in general even like it's not they're not they're not considered to be manipulated, at least uh, at least for this company. that's reasonably uh, good, and we have six scale. Questions. Well, like, I basically I love government. It's good and it's getting better. Two, I completely hate it. It's awful and it's getting worse. And we see that the only effect of social network it increases the number of people who love government. So it's first it's real. It's fact is there as an electoral uh, result. It looks like it increases the uh, support of government. Second, there is no effect of no evidence of polarization whatsoever. Moreover, like. It's like three weeks before protests. They had their question. Do you think you are ready to go on political protest? And then the number of people who are kind of considering this option is lower in places with high penetration of social networks. So it all fits this story that what social network uh, this uh, VK does is does not increase the number of people who are in a position to become. It just increases the probability that they will actually coordinate and go out on the streets. Yeah. So can you clarify your units of analysis here in the, in the survey results? I mean, the, the, you're still using regions and you're See. aggregating up from the yeah. survey? Yeah. But what kind of power do you have to, I mean, to? It's, it's 32,000 people. Okay, in opinion service for six cities, six hundred regions. Yeah, uh, six, yeah six, uh, 600 cities. Well, in this, uh, when we go to opinion poll, it goes down to four hundred. Okay, because you don't have. Yeah, because not uh, the poll was not uh, in all the cities, but still, it's like four hundred cities. So we have, apparently, we have sufficient power <laughs> to get the result, but. This is the mechanism. And again, there was no no effect on previous poll. So, honestly, the fact that social media increased support of the government was uh, clearly not something that we expected. If anything, we were expecting completely different results. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that you're using the obviously messed up 2007 of that, that is, I couldn't see super well on the table, but it's the voting results. We, no, we, we result, right? no, we use all, uh, oh, all, okay. all results, so all elections after seven. the creation of social networks. 7, 8, 11, 12, 16. You okay. still observe the results. On all, it's very consistent across all elections. The opinion poll is for 2011. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, that's, that's fine. I think one thing that you might be able to exploit, though, just thinking about that, is do you have any way of trying to predict based on past election results and you know the amount of departure from sort of a normal distribution in in which cities there was more fraud and whether that somehow uh, we tried uh, it's not uh, it's hard I mean it's really hard to come up with a good yeah. measure like it's aggregate model, estimates yeah. of fraud it's uh, but but what what is important actually here that um, we don't see any uh, evidence of pro-governmental support 
in previous elections, in 95, 99, 2003. Uh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no evidence of increased support of poor government before, in these cities, before the actual creation of the network. So daily, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that the network has created, and there's something. Mm -hmm. So kind of because it would not work. So the puzzle was like, why? Because we know that all opposition, if you really want to read something opposition, you go to a social network. It should be something against the government. But that's kind of a fallacy, like a logical fault. All opposition is there. But if you look on average VK, most of it is not opposition. Most of VK is actually turns out to be pro-governmental. So for what we did, we did like we looked like, at the content of the postings on this network around the time of election. And you can see that all these uh, leaders of opposition, they're barely mentioned. That if you look at the people, uh, of political actors that are mentioned, it's mainly Putin, Medvedev, and Edina Rasi, this pro-governmental party. So on average, the content of the VK is dominated by the government and pro-governmental party, not by opposition. It, like, that we also try to look at the kind of you know, sentiment analysis. Because maybe it's all about Putin, but it's all they, they're all writing bad stuff about. It. Turned out to be almost impossible to assign whether it's good or bad. Why? Because we try to classify what they are writing about. And majority of posts mentioning Putin including include I don't like finding anecdotes or poems. <laughs> <laughs> It's not hard. It's like creative stuff out there. And you cannot tell whether it's good or bad, at least using automatic measures of computer science, because it, all these things include irony and sarcasm. Even people don't get irony and sarcasm, uh, not to mention computer products. We can even, like, we check that people don't get it, because you can take the same poem or whatever, like anecdote. And try to see who is reposting it. Are they supporters of Putin? And that is like a praise. Or they are like opposition, so it's like critics. And it turns out both, both parties will be posted. The same poem, if you are a supporter of the Putin, will be a praise for the Putin. The same poem, if you are in opposition, will be a sarcasm and a mockery of the, people, <laughs> of the Putin. So it's absolutely impossible to analyze the content. Everyone interprets it according to the already pre existing. tried a lot of metrics. Nothing works. Okay. It's just like I, even our eyeballing it doesn't work. Like, I, like that's my like, people are currently. <laughs> yeah, uh, people are kind of smarter than programs. Yeah. So, so most of the time by hashtags you can you can I can identify bots as as good as as well as that. Uh, all the programs that I saw in English and that. 
classic classify, I can do that. Here I have, I'm lost. I'm looking at this pause. I have no idea whether that pro if you take it out of context. You can only interpret them when you see the stream of the particular users. You see all the stream of what they're doing. Then you can classify. So you can classify people, users, but not particular posts in VK. Maybe actually it is because of the length. When you increase the length, it all gets watched out. And in Twitter, you have to concentrate, so it's easier to assign. Maybe. But that's kind of empirically, in this context at least, you cannot. Uh, so basically, just to wrap up, <coughs> this is just a proof that VK, if you don't see any difference, I mean, I, I know it's a small, but, and this is Facebook. It's hard to tell the difference, and that is exactly the point. Of <laughs> They're almost identical. Uh, this is one, and Facebook is a bit more liberal, because here's like Dan President, the very flouted guy, and Facebook is more liberal. <laughs> but basically, it's, uh, it's the same thing. But just to wrap up, uh, running out of time, is that, I mean, we think that we find pretty convincing evidence that there is a causal relationship of actual social networks do promote political problems. Uh, and the mechanism for which they do is not because they change minds of the people in terms of increasing the number of people in position to invite. They do allow people to coordinate and be engaged in this collective action of going out uh, together and doing something. The key is obviously that if we think that social media allows people, the main thing it allows to coordinate, do something, well, pro-government, oppositional meetings, rallies in Russia can be considered something good, you know, fighting authoritarian regimes. But that, this, so in this sense, social media is doing something good. But if it just promote, allows people to do something together, it may not necessarily be good. They can do whatever. I mean. So basically, we are now working on a new project in which we, we kind of the first evidence shows that social media does promote hate crime, which, uh, which is bad side <laughs> of social media. So in some sense, like, it does have an effect. We cannot tell whether it's good or bad. 